streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. What's up? Welcome back to episode two of the Barton and Bud show. And uh, full disclosure for the audience, Bud, this is the second time we've recorded this episode today. Uh, look, I, I don't know. This is one on one, just basically pressing record. Somehow I screwed it up. And if, if we can't even get this right, I, I, I don't know how you're going to be able to miss all of spring practice and all of summer conditioning and come out and be able to line up the right way in college football next fall. Yeah, man, that was, uh, that was interesting. I really don't feel like it was your fault uh, there. Your computer just, Barton goes, hey, I'm getting the, uh, getting the spinny wheel of death here. And, and, uh, and here my <laughs> now, now here we are, like second episode or second attempt of this episode, I got two four, four-year-olds under coming in and screaming. So, okay, no, yeah, they got to go. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I, I, have you seen the BBC, uh, the, the BBC guy who, whose kid, or whose kids run in the room and then the nanny comes in and like, like snatches them back? I have. He's doing the live broadcast. I have seen that. Yes. I'm kind of picturing if we could flip your camera, that's probably what's happening. Yeah, there. that's that's exactly what's happening. Probably even a little bit more chaotic. Um, but uh, so here we are. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if we cut that. Oh, we just leave it in and keep rolling. But I think you know. we leave it. Like, like, how many people at home are experiencing that? Literally, before we hit record on version 2.0 uh, or 1.0 of this this morning, Barton goes, yeah, see, if, if we nap the kids, then they don't go to bed until like 9 o'clock. And if we don't nap them, then they're just hellions at, you know, starting at about 5 p.m. Eastern. So and we're, we're coming up on that range. First, first attempt at this uh, podcast, this episode, was they, they, they took a nice long walk. Uh, they've gone out of the house for like an hour and a half, and no such luck this time around. We're we're in the thick of it. You may hear some screams, some like guttural yelling from upstairs or downstairs, but uh, here we are. So now that we're here, now the kids are out of the room, the door's shut again. Um, coronavirus, huh? Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, so we we got some some famous people talking about coronavirus th- this week uh, with uh, with Kirk Herbstreet saying that he kind of has a hard time seeing uh, the college football season being played this year. And I was like, wow, that's kind of bold for somebody whose company broadcasts more games than anybody else out there. Yeah. And in Herb Street's defense, I don't think he was trying to like issue a statement, but TMZ got him and I guess he responded and he, here's the quote. He said, I'll be shocked if we have NFL football this fall, if we have college football, I'll be surprised if that happens also, just because from what I understand, people that I listen to, you're 12 to eight months, 18 months from a coronavirus vaccine. I don't know how you let these guys go into locker rooms and let stadiums be filled up and how you can play ball. I just don't know how you can do it with the optics of it. So, yeah, pretty sobering. I mean, Kurt Herbstreet is, has no reason to try to create a panic. He wants this football season to, to kick off as much as anybody. And before we even recorded here this, this second attempt at this episode... Did you see that? Uh, what Toronto is is shutting down 
all public events through June 30th. Ooh, so if you happen to maybe place a bet on will MLB uh, be played before June 1st, you may be sitting pretty. <laughs> I think so. Because the Blue Jays are, are – and, and, well, honestly, like this kind of screws up the NBA season. Are the Raptors – the Raptors are – they're the defending champs, right? They're, they're going to be in the playoffs at least. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean – and that's and, and sort of that, that that's a little bit so Chris Hummer for twenty four seven sports wrote a story on this about the you know, the need, the necessity for like a, a lead up to not just the season, but to the preseason, to have a, a period of time where you're getting the players in shape for preseason practice. And let's just say June thirtieth, you know, again, hey, Toronto did it until June 30th but like what does that mean does that mean that that is there some point a trickle down to June 30th being a date in the United States in some capacity that's about the drop dead date like uh bad bad phrasing there but like that's about the that's about the last possible date you can use uh because you're gonna need Brian Kelly said it publicly other coaches have talked on it like you're gonna need a good four weeks of conditioning and training to even have guys in a position where they can be healthy for preseason practices and 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 be physically prepared for the grind that that puts on you from a from a win standpoint but also just from like an injury prevention standpoint. And this gets back to what we were talking about last week. Despite all of what we see on Instagram and Twitter and how everybody's hashtag grinding like despite the fact that they're not on campus and everybody's doing their workouts we know practically that the variance in terms of what you're going to get back with your roster is going to be so much greater than what you would normally have if you actually had all your kids on campus over the summer because of things like access to weights or lack of uh, nutrition or lack thereof, rehab, lack thereof. The reason they need that full month of conditioning is because I think these coaches are scared to death about what kind of roster they're going to have come, come June, come July. Right, like not having their kids on campus for for four you know four months, that scares the hell out of these guys, and it for for their jobs it probably should. Um, if let's say it doesn't they don't get it back till like July, it, do we think the the season would be delayed or, or or early games would be cut out of safety reasons? I'm I'm skeptical that that the uh, the companies who own these broadcast rights are going to be cool with moving these games. For, for safety reasons. I mean, but it's all like we're we're un, we're totally uncharted territory. Brett McMurphy, I saw, reported that athletic directors and administrators are having discussions, in just in a worst case scenario sort of way, uh, about potentially kicking off the season in like October or even January. Um, so we're at that point. Like we're like I. I, th- I think you could see potentially like anything's on the table. I mean, the whole country is sitting at home right now. Like anything is on the table. And so, hey, do, does the season kick off a couple weeks later? Do they get rid of the non-conference games, um, or is is there some really more much more dramatic solution? But I, I think one thing is is clear. And you talk about sort of the the broadcasting partners, and I, I just think some of that stuff might be more um, malleable than maybe it would be in, in any other situation. But secondly, like from a financial standpoint, just in terms of the, the revenue for these athletic programs, not the football team, but just funding the whole 
athletic program, they got to find a way to get the season going somehow. So what I feel like it feels like whatever it takes is going to be what happens to get some sort of a season off the ground. You know, one thing we've seen kind of bandied about is the idea of playing the games in front of empty stadiums. And I think for some sports, that actually might be able to work. And those sports would be the sports that are not team sports. Football, to me, doesn't really work with that concept simply because, A, it is a team sport. You're in literal close contact with each other and literally colliding with each other. You have fluids uh, you know, voluntarily, involuntarily flying around out there. You have trainers, you have coaches, you have support staff, all those type of people. And football's a big operation. I mean, you're talking about including walk-ons, 100 guys on the sideline, just, just players every Saturday times two. I mean, that's a couple hundred people that you need to put on a college football game. If, if we have tennis, if we have golf, to me that's a little bit different because you can do some social distancing within there. But I, I don't think the idea of a empty stadium college football uh, is likely to improve your odds of having college football that much. Now, it might help reduce spread some, but the only thing that's really going to get us back playing is if hospitals are no longer being overtaxed, right? And that, that's, a part, I think, a point you actually made in, in this morning's show. is like we have to get to a spot where if, people, if it does spread around a little bit, it's not going to overwhelm the hospitals, which means we have to be on the backside of the spread and really – Put that put that peak in our review. And, you know, looking at China, looking at South Korea, two countries that are clearly on, on the backside of this now, I think they will be instructive, um, you know, as to when their team sports resume. I know China has not yet resumed basketball. I haven't seen anything on South Korea resuming. We know there's some table tennis going on uh, right now, which I was just looking at the live betting windows earlier today, like what can you wager on if you wanted to? And I obviously did not because I don't know any of these guys' names. Uh, and I can't find any kind of video feed of but it. You have a, but you have a Barton and Bud uh, podcast task. You need to, next show, you need to have some intel on where we can get the live feeds of these games, or these, okay. these ping pong matches. But yeah. Now, I can get you the live feed of like a digital <laughs> ball going back and forth. It looks like pong. That ain't almost. cutting it. That ain't, I, need, I, need to see the comp- I need to see some competitive facial expressions like to, 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 to really fit the bill for me. Uh, oh hey, uh, there's ice hockey going on somewhere in the world right now. Where Martin. we have, uh, we have uh, Cheteri Ledokola at Molotovoyski, which is probably <laughs> that's got to be Russian or yeah, well, I, I could see or, yeah, Russian Russian messing around like they they'll, they'll, <laughs> they'll 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 make they'll make something happen. Yeah, I, I, I can buy that. Yeah, I have no idea what league th- this is. I'm sure uh, Fornelli might know. Well, he probably does. He's probably watching it right now. Uh, what about esports? Are, are you into esports at all? And I know there's some college esports. Listen, if if there. I gotta make that jump, um, I'm I'm willing I'm willing to dabble. I'm willing to to, to take a look. Can you imagine scouting esports? Be like, all right, hey man, I got this 14 year old reflexes are just crazy. He, he, he on the sticks, he's amazing. Blah, 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 blah. I think you're onto something okay. new vertical. So, the, right, but, hey, but so the last coronavirus thing. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go have at it. I, so just a real quick before we get into some actual football talk is the ACT and SAT. And yeah. I had some coaches this week tell me, hey, man, like I haven't seen anybody write about this yet, but we're kind of low-key uh, or high-key concerned that some of these athletes who are supposed to enroll in our school in June and July 
they haven't passed their ACT and SAT yet, and it's more than a couple. And what are we going to do? Like, is the, is the NCAA going to give us a waiver? Because all these testing dates are being wiped out. And it's impacting normal co- normal students who are going to be going to college, you know, in, in 2021. But for some of these kids who are trying to get in to play football in 2020, they still don't have test scores yet. And, like, what's the alternative to not granting a waiver? Sending a bunch of these kids to JUCO? Making them all take academic red shirts or something? Letting them enroll? I don't know what the... Uh, what the result of that will be, but it sounds like uh, this is something that's worrying some teams that that recruit sort of on those academic margins. Yeah, and you would think at least they should get that initial counter scholarship number back for next year if they're not able to get those guys qualified um, based on them not being able to to take a test in the spring or summer. Like, um, yeah, I mean, there's it's there's a lot of complications to this thing. Um, and I think the NCAA is going to be have to be more forgiving than than ever, um, because otherwise it's just like it's it's. I mean, it's going to be messy regardless. But um, I wouldn't want to be I wouldn't want to be in those offices in Indianapolis. That's that's for sure. There's going to be some tough tough decisions, tough solutions to come up with. Um, you want to dig into some football? Yeah, let, let, let's let's go from something that is tough, like NCAA decisions, to something that seems real easy, which is Ohio State recruiting right now. They're more just picking and choosing than, than recruiting. They end up landing Travion Henderson. A, a do we have him as a five star right now? I no, we don't. we don't have him. I, well, he, must, he may be a composite five star. Uh, in fact, I don't think he's that either. But here's what I'll I've got a prediction. My prediction is that he he's pacing towards five star status. We'll put it that way. And he is he is our number one running back in the country. I think he's the number two running back in the country, according to twenty four seven Sports composite rankings. Perfect. Okay, so he ends up going to Ohio State over Oklahoma, Virginia Tech. He had, I mean, he has like thirty offers. So that, that really impressive kid, explosive, good size, and, and like you said, we're not real real quick to slap the five star tag on everybody in in March, but he could get there certainly. Ohio State's class right now. The difference between Ohio State's class and the number two class is the same as the di- difference between the number 20 class and the number 50 class. Like, they are lapping everybody else. And I include Clemson in that, even though Clemson is kind of lapping everybody else not named Ohio State to a certain extent. So th- this is pretty special. It's almost as if the Buckeyes don't really, like, they're not aware coronavirus is happening. Like, guys, y'all seem to be functioning with, like, no problems, just killing it and I think a lot of that is they did have such a good head start on this year's class because they had most of last year's hay in the barn you know by what Halloween I know they had a couple guys down the stretch but they were pretty much done they've been working on 2021 uh, for like probably solely focused on 2021 for quite a few months now well and they've become such a national recruiting presence I mean this class I mean just the makeup of the class is so impressive so they've got I'm just going to kind of run down the list here to give to give the casual fan here an idea of, of who these players are. They got the number two strong side defensive end in the country. Okay, he's he's an Ohio kid. He's a five star. Travion Henderson, who I correct myself, he is currently a, a composite five star, number two running back in the country according to composite. Five star quarterback, number three pro style in the country, who's Kyle McCord. They've got the number one offensive guard in the country, Donovan Jackson. Um, and again, I just mentioned an Ohio kid, a Virginia kid, a Pennsylvania kid, a Texas kid, Marvin Harrison Jr., 
you may know may know that name. Um, Who? He's he is uh, another Philly kid who's a wide receiver. Uh, the, he is he is who you think he is the the son of of the Hall of Famer. Um, Reed Carrico, number two linebacker in the country. Uh, Evan Pryor, the number six running back in the country. Again, they already have the number two. Pryor's from North Carolina. So n- not only are they getting like line of scrimmage, elite athletes, they're getting quarterbacks, they're getting guys from all over the country. Um, like geographically, that this is this is the way juggernauts recruit right now. And I, I think what's so like I think the the trajectory of this from a program standpoint is without question like Ohio State is going to win a national championship in in, in soon. Um, it's not a matter of if. I, I really believe it's a matter of when, and they're getting close. Like even from a roster standpoint, the last few years, like I think everyone considers this Alabama, Clemson, and uh, as as sort of been the teams of the 2010s or whatever. Um, obviously LSU cycled up this past year and it was because LSU has been recruiting at a high enough level. Like they're, they were ready to cycle up because they had the talent to cycle up. I think Ohio state's ready to cycle up. They have the talent to cycle up. They've been according to 24 seven sports team talent composite, which measures the, uh, players on your current roster, uh, accounting for attrition and transfers and all that sort of stuff. Um, based on their high school rankings, Ohio state had the number uh, two roster in the country this past year, number one roster in the country two years ago, number two roster in the country three years ago. Um, like, they're right there. And now they have a quarterback in Justin Fields uh, who is who is elite. And now I think they have a, uh, a coach in Ryan Day who is proving that we already, we already had confidence in his ability to, to coach, his ability to scheme, his ability to uh, put up points. Now he's showing that he can take the baton from Urban Meyer and – and he can recruit at this elite level as well. I mean, this is a class that Alabama and Clemson, or Clemson's right there nipping at their heels, but Alabama and Georgia and the other traditional recruiting powers, like they would, they would, they'd love to have this class. Like they're jealous of the way these programs are recruiting. And I think that that's, that's relevant. That's, that's important. It, it is. And I, I think if you look at this within the Big Ten and, and really within their region, they're the only team whose top like realistic goal is national championship year in year out. Penn State, Michigan, their top realistic goal for the most part is win the conference, make the playoff, right? Like I, I think that they're Ohio State has shown enough on the field and especially now off the field in terms of talent acquisition that we can say okay, they have a realistic shot and should be considered one of the absolute favorites to win the national title. And this might be their best chance, man. Like, yeah. I'm not saying for all time, but show me the last year in which an SEC team was not one of the two national title favorites entering the year. Is Ohio State one of the top two? Yeah, it's Clemson and Ohio State in yeah. most shops that I see. Yeah. It's always been an SEC squad and then somebody else, typically, or sometimes two SEC squads. This year, it's Ohio State-Clemson or Clemson-Ohio State. I mean, <clears throat> I had I had a... I made this comment when Justin Fields was in high school. Um, I said he's going to win a national title. Like, how, how good is he? He's going to win a national title. He is a he's a quarterback that's capable of elevating you to a national title. And um, it's just a matter of who lands him. And and he's at Ohio State. He got Ohio State playoffs in year one. Um, 
and 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 keep in mind that was year one. And actually, look, I expected probably when I said that I expected him to be playing three three years at some place. He's going to play two years um, as a starter, but year two, I think we could see really. I don't know about dramatic because you can't. How much? How dramatic can you get? He was a Heisman Trophy candidate, but I think you could see no like noticeable development in terms of. And he was already really good, obviously, but I think you could see maybe like an even like souped up Justin Fields this year, which would be obviously huge for Ohio State. So, um, yeah, I mean they're going to be they're going to be tough to beat. Um, I, go ahead. No, they, they really are. It's just from an editorial standpoint, how much do you love that we get the Trevor and Justin Fields battle like on a national stage, perhaps yet again? I mean they they've been battling basically since. You know, since they were like juniors in high school, it's pretty. It's pretty amazing. This is pretty cool. It's. I mean, and and uh, we had them at twenty four seven sports. We had them as the two highest rated quarterbacks we've ever had, and 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 they were in the same class, one two. And if we so we already had one showdown, we're you know it'd be pretty cool to get another one, and then. You know, maybe then we can have some Bryce Young, DJ Uyangalale showdowns to come for Alabama and uh, and Clemson too. Uh, so anyway, so hey, <clears throat> moving on though, unless you got more on this, I, I did want to no, touch. I, I did want to touch briefly on on a Maryland commit, and we'll get on. We'll get into football here in a second. But one more recruiting note. I thought I, I think you gotta just mention that Mike Loxley just landed probably the best pass rusher in the country, in Damian Robinson. Certainly one of them, and 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 a guy that I've, I know that other school that I've, I've talked to other schools that believe he is the best pass rusher in the country. Um, this is what Maryland has to do. He is from the kids from Maryland. He is, yeah, he had whatever. It's, I'm not going to rattle off the stats; they're absurd. But he is he's an elite edge guy, and you know Maryland has like they really haven't locked down the region. Like Mike Loxley had hoped they w- he would, and they had a tough season to to work off of. But now here we are, and potentially, this is the type of commit that could could give some guys some confidence to jump on board and and, and maybe build some momentum on the recruiting trail. Absolutely. Now let me ask you this: If I was to throw out a number here, two fifty, right? Mike Loxley gets Damien. Damien, this kid is is a stud. Great pass rusher. 250 days, Barton, over or under how long Maryland holds this commit. Because I remember Dwayne Haskins. I remember the movie, right? right? I remember all this stuff. Yeah. Hey, this is going to be the year we're going to keep all these DMV kids, and they're going to go to Maryland, right? And we just got done talking about Ohio State. We all remember where Haskins ended up after after he flipped. Will this be different? In your opinion, can they actually hold on to Robinson? Because 250 days takes us to December 2nd. If he stays committed that long, you think they, they they can actually sign him, or or do you think this is just giving us something to talk about here in the off season? And I'm not opposed to talking about stuff in the off season because clearly we need stuff to talk about. But like, can they actually close this deal? Because I feel like we see this uh, damn near every year with Maryland, and I know Locks is a little bit different now, but. But he hadn't proven. What do you think? He hadn't proven to be any different yet. Like it's not as if Loxley came in and there was like they did get Rakeem Jarrett, who they flipped from LSU late this, in this past recruiting cycle, and that was huge. He was a he was a top 100 wide receiver uh, out of out of Maryland. So you know they've shown flashes, but nothing sustained. So it's a fair question. 
and I'm still going to go over here. I think I think that, and a big part of it, um, unfortunately for human civilization, is the coronavirus situation and the fact that everyone's locked down, no one's traveling. Um, the, you know, the the, the this kid's not going to go visit anywhere. He's not going to have the opportunity to go visit anywhere. He's not going to have uh, colleges come by showing him love, stopping by the school. He's not going to, you know, look, they're still going to hit him up. People are still going to recruit him. But I, I think that when you're Maryland, when you're Rutgers, when you're trying to get something going locally and these kids are, aren't really given the opportunity to go hit up the, um, you know, the bus tour, hit up the, the college uh camp circuit, uh, just just be around other coaching staffs and other programs, it's going to be back to the old days when, you know, wherever your local program is, uh, this is kind of the, the one that's got the big the big head start on you. And, uh, you know, this, I think this is a situation that Maryland could, could, could really sort of spin into some success on the recruiting trail. I, I think that that's actually – that's really intriguing. I'm going to remind you on December 2nd, we're, we're going to revisit this. Um, speaking of which, you actually have an article coming out about this. Uh, and by the time you all listen to this, you, it might already be out. But uh, you have an article talking about how uh, having talent in your own backyard this year uh, might be even more of an advantage than it normally is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so I I was teed up for that. I was I was ready for that question because I'd just been, been studying that stuff. And... I think you know Rutgers and Maryland are two to mention that I, I don't necessarily think are like necessarily loaded from a you know uh, this isn't this isn't like a rare year necessarily in those regions but they're just those are areas that are, I think programs that can find success because of the circumstances whereas I think I look at Iowa Iowa apparently has offered more guys from the state of Iowa this cycle than Kirk Ferentz has in his entire 21 uh, years as a head coach. Um, that tells you a little something about what they think about the, the local talent this this cycle. Um, you know, Miami may actually be able to hang on to see these guys. They always get committed early for once. They may, maybe they can, um, you know, if all these guys aren't taking the bus tours per usual, maybe they can get a couple of these sort of top-tier commits in a really good year in South Florida. Florida's already capitalized on a strong year in the state of Florida to this point. Um, you know, they're, they're a team to watch. So uh, there's a handful of them out there that uh, are uh, – Washington's got like – it's like a loaded year in the state of Washington. They only have one guy committed from that group yet. But um, look, I mean, again, the, 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 you're in – if you're in the state of Washington – there's not a lot of there's not a lot of big time programs within driving distance, and so you you need these opportunities in the spring and summer to get out and see teams. Um, Jimmy Lake will, will take it just fine with these guys all sitting at home, and then they can keep on calling. They've already got their visits in to 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 uh, uh, to Washington, so you know they'll they'll they'll, they'll happily capitalize on this. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. 
Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. All right, so let's go ahead and transition over here uh, to a pretty cool story that you wrote called The Next Joe Burrow Story. And just go ahead and explain it to folks at home. Who do you have who's got next? Right. So this is the idea for this story is just, um, you know, Joe Burrow obviously was a guy that we didn't see coming to this degree. Um, uh, you know, Derek Stingley, uh, we kind of did see him coming, um, but the, obviously he was the guy that the, the true freshman sort of took college football by storm. Like there's there's these sort of unique stories um, and, and the framework of which can be used to for us to sort of predict who's stepping into those shoes, who's filling that that role in the next sort of stories of college football. All right, so let, let's let's go ahead and go to this one, right? This is going to be interesting. I know this is going to get the message boards kind of worked up a little bit. The next Henry Ruggs criteria would be the, the guy who's the next future NFL Combine superstar. And Barton picked Anthony Schwartz of Auburn, a guy who is just an absolute track freak. And unless we're missing somebody, was probably the fastest man in college football as soon as he stepped foot on the field as, as a true freshman. And yet... I'm interested in your thought process on this because, to me, like he's he's not anywhere close to the receiver that Ruggs was. Ruggs already had really good receiver skills despite playing two other sports in high school, and he was kind of like raw, but yet still really really damn good, and had like so much more ceiling. He he had a lot of other skills that I don't know that Schwartz has, but. So how did you settle on on, on Schwartz? Here? So I, I let me clarify because this is what I'm calling my call, calling my shot on Anthony Schwartz is not that he is the next Henry Ruggs on the field. I'm saying he is the next Henry Ruggs in terms of being a combine freak. In fact, I, I've I've always had some I'd say uh, hesitations with Anthony Schwartz as a pure wide receiver. And to this point in his college career, like that's he sort of has been a, a little bit of a gimmick guy in, in that Gus Malzahn offense. So I'm actually fascinated. I, yes, I think he's going to be a, a beast of the combine, whenever that comes. If it's next year or the year after, I mean, the guy runs a 10, like borderline sub 10 second 100 meter dash. Like it, he's Olympic caliber in terms of his speed. So it'll be fun to see what he runs, and there'll be all kinds of uh, Twitter videos popping off about Anthony Schwartz's 40. But I think the, the question that, that this didn't even attempt to answer, but that, that I still posed, was sort of, all that said, let's talk about him as a football player, which is what you're getting at. And as a football player, I think Anthony Schwartz's success this fall is going to be incredibly uh, uh, telling and incisive in, as it relates to how this offense is operating with Chad Morris at the helm as an offensive coordinator because Gus Malzahn's offense has always been clunky in the throw game and it's always sort of relied on an athletic quarterback. And is, is this finally the time when the Malzahn hands over the keys charade is, is actually like legitimate and Chad Morris can, can help uh, – 
evolve this this pass game because I'd love to see if Anthony Schwartz can be more than a jet sweep guy, more than a play action post guy. Yeah, Barton. According to my notes here, this is a uh, this is an even numbered year, so it's going to be a Chad Morris needs to hand the keys off, or, or yeah, uh, Gus Malzahn needs to hand the keys off to uh, to his offensive coordinator so he can focus on the bigger picture of the program year. And next year will probably be the Gus needs to get back to his roots right, right, uh, type right, of year. Right. <laughs> it seems to seems to alternate there on the planes. Look, if 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 Auburn can get Anthony Schwartz to be a receiver and not just a run a nine route and jet sweep and, and catch a bubble guy, that's going to be pretty damn scary because that means he's developed some skills other than just track speed. And I'm, I'm interested to see that. He never really dominated that much in high school uh, in, in Florida despite you know having that insane speed. He had some big-time plays, but like he wasn't dominant like, like, a, like a Jerry Judy you know, type was down in South Florida. So I'm interested to see you know, what, what will happen with that for sure. And you bring up a great point, by the way, about Malzahn's offense. Like, name me your favorite Malzahn offense that did not have a mobile quarterback. I don't have one. It might be like Chris Todd in 09. I'm thinking back to what he had at Arkansas State. I mean, the the, Jarrett, the first Jarrett Stidham year was a pretty good team, but the offense was never that like pleasing to the eye. It was still it was still just you know pound the rock, um, and but like. Yeah, I, that was the one that Clemson sacked him nine times in that opening. Uh, game. Yeah, I think that I think that's the. Okay. Year. <laughs> they, they, they made some adjustments like right. stop driving back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So I think we have time for let's get let's let's yeah, do the next Isaiah Simmons at the very least. All right, because this is cool. I like because right. this one the, I I really like the idea of this one. So the next Isaiah Simmons is basically I'm looking for the next college football's next like Swiss Army knife. Um, because remember what Isaiah Simmons was like, you couldn't, there wasn't a position you could define him as he was a little bit of linebacker, a little bit nickel, a little bit like free safety. Um, he, he was just this total hybrid modern freak show. And for this one, I went with Micah Parsons. And to this point, Micah Parsons has been a linebacker for Penn state. He's going to be a linebacker again for Penn State this year. But when you when I think back at Micah Parsons in high school, he averaged 11 yards a carry at running back, rushing for about 1,200 yards. He would line up at wide receiver at college camps and totally expose four-star cornerbacks. He went to the Army All-American Bowl and was the best pass rusher there. Like, was a terrifying pass rusher. There's a couple videos of him just like nearly beheading whoever was the quarterback. I, I can't even remember who it was. Um, but it, it was it was scary for those guys. And 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 so he shows up at Penn State and understandably they put him at linebacker. He leads the team in tackles as a true freshman without even starting. He's one of the best linebackers in the country last year and he'll be one of the best linebackers in the country this year. But now that we're in year 3, I'm just fascinated to see whether Penn State kind of lines him up as an edge rusher a little more often, maybe gets him involved in some more like exotic coverages, some some more deep deep coverage sort of roles. Whether they, uh, the one I'm really excited about is like maybe they line him up at running back in in the red zone, a goal line situation. Maybe they line him up at tight end or 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 even like split out wide. I want to see him in the red zone. Yeah, man. do it, Penn State. Like short yards. Get him in that. Get him. In that, get him some Heisman votes. 
Absolutely. Look, they, they need to do it. it. Think about what he was as a pass rusher back, back when he was killing it in those videos. It was he doesn't have amazing length. I mean, he's not he's not stubby, but it, but he it was the get off and and the ability to bend. And I I think those those things really help him as a backer. You could use him in coverage, like you said, more creative ways. Make the opposing offense think. They already have to ID where he is on every play. Like having that that player who's that good, but who can also be that versatile. It, it just creates more things that the offense has to think about. I I want to see them blitz him more. I want to see him in, in, in coverage more. Penn State's defense is going to be pretty salty, by no the way. No doubt. Like, like, like I was talking to uh, Deshaun Fitz of the Penn State site, and he's like, yeah, Brandon Smith's probably going to be taken you know, into a starting role. So you're going to have him on that defense with Micah Parsons. And they're not even sure Lance Dixon is necessarily going to be a starter this year. And he's athletically, I mean, just crazy freaky. Yeah. Like that, that, if you have that much talent around Parsons, you could really free him up to do some special stuff. It's pretty remarkable what they've done in recruiting at the linebacker position. Um, also, I, I love Parsons' attitude on the field. I mean, he is just, he has a different level of like, F you. I, I, I don't know. Can we say that on? on uh, I think, I think you're allowed to say F. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'll yeah. let it go. He just kind of, he has that little like, Oh, did I did I bump the quarterback in uh, in, in when we were wearing shells? Oh, my bad. And, and you know, then then he he gets a little little helmet under the chin next time. He, he's got some nastiness to him. Uh, yeah. So uh, we'll see if we'll see if uh, Micah Parsons can uh, can lead Penn State to a Big Ten championship because we talked about how good Ohio State is as well. But we'll we'll kind of call it for for the day, Bud. Uh, round two of our second podcast uh, was feel good about it if you feel good about it if you like it if you like what you're hearing or if you just are um kind of a, a positive person feel free to give us five stars please do in fact um give us a, a comment in uh in the reviews that that's that's helpful for us it helps get us going get this get this podcast some legs some traction um and uh we'd, we'd much appreciate it of sports mixed with your pop culture along with humor and celebrity interviews your earbuds are enjoying the rich eisen show dan orlovsky are you still a Jaden daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy i think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one i think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft every quarterback in the nfl is accurate he's got the best on tape number two most transferable stuff to the nfl and then i think the third thing is pocket peace search for the rich eisen show on youtube or wherever you listen